We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Yeah, what's going on, everybody? It's another Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. We'll feature the record company in their big tour uh, that is going on right now. Got a chance to see these cats on Thursday uh, in the city. It was great. What a, uh, listen, these guys just, uh, it's their Roll With It tour. Uh, That was Roll With It from their uh, fourth album, which is titled their fourth album, the record company, fourth album. Pretty unique there. Uh, Great stuff from these guys. Uh, If you have a chance to see them, uh, in a city near you, uh, you certainly want to check them out. I've, I've talked about them enough. Um, they are phenomenal blues rock. Uh, the, you know, the, a couple slow tunes in there, yes. But for the most part, it's some, uh, some banging good, uh, feel-good music. Love it. Gotta love it from uh, the record company. Good stuff. Now, coming up in 20 minutes... Josh Bernstein, the author and wonderful beer writer, is going to join me on the phone. He had a great piece in the New York Times this last week that really spotlights a lot of what is going on in the beer industry that I've talked about over the last few months. Uh, That is coming up in 20 minutes from now, and uh, you definitely want to check it out. Uh, Josh, I think, is spot on on a lot of things that are happening in the beer world that as beer lovers and, um, you know, people in the business of beer uh, should start taking notice of because if they haven't already, because uh, I will tell you that there are changes. There are changes happening all throughout. And let's dive right into one of those changes. Uh, Almentry in, um, in Hackensack, Blake Crawford, Mike Roosevelt have made the decision to close Almentry, a longstanding destination in Hackensack. I'm not going to get into all the particulars, They've posted stuff on their social media. Uh, You can check it out there. But suffice it to say, last year and last quarter was brutal for many breweries. We're seeing a downturn of people drinking beer. Alternative means of enjoying things like cannabis, seltzers, canned cocktails, or people simply not drinking. Uh, The younger generation is not drinking. Um, Are there people younger that are drinking in their uh, 22, 23, 24? Yes. But a lot of them are not. So uh, part of it was they were trying to sell the brewery to another brewery. They had been uh, making a lot of their beer, and then I guess they had worked into an arrangement uh, where they were going to sell the brewery to them. And then um, I don't have any idea to whom. Uh, I have my suspicions, but since I don't have any actual hard facts, I won't voice them here. The deal fell through uh, because, according to Blake, 
Both the landlord and brewery tried to drive the purchase price down. Those are his words, not mine. Um, So if what he is saying is true, and I I would tend to believe him on this, uh, both the landlord uh, that they were renting the space from and the brewery they were selling to was trying to get it on the cheap. That's not cool. Now, according to Blake, they have been looking to sell since last September, but things fell apart in the last week or so. That's why they made the announcement. Um, They're going to stay open until April. They're hoping to get to their anniversary, um, and then they're going to close after that. Could things change in the next three months? Certainly. Do I think they're going to change? Probably not. Now, here's my take. Again, my opinion here. Elementary built a facility a few years ago to expand their uh, production into distro, into New York, and elsewhere. They also encouraged folks that wanted to gypsy brew with them to do so. Makes sense. You have the tank space, do it, right? If you can make some extra money, pay off some of those things, do it. But the pandemic hits, and so did their business model. A lot of beer was getting out and onto shelves that had never been on shelves before, and you got pushed out. That's my Again, that's what I think. Hackensack has stepped up their game in the last two years. Hackensack Brewing. They're putting out good beer. Add to the fact that their tasting room is small, Almentry's, with limited parking, you're going to have issues when it comes to making money. Once the tap room's opened, they really don't have the space there. If you've ever been to Almentry, it's a nice little spot, but it's little. Without a lot of room of expansion. And I get it. Their business model, in my opinion, was to brew beer to get it out to people and get it in different cities and different towns and whatever. I get that. But if you can't get that stuff out there, then what? Now you have the ability to do, you know, with the with the, the changes now in, in, the, in the rules in New Jersey, now you can have a taproom experience. They can't do that there. They're limited by a finite amount of space. Uh, and I, I'll be honest, I can't tell you the last time I saw Elementary on tap or in can somewhere. And I think the last time I might have had an Elementary beer was at Bruzology last February in Jersey City at the, the Liberty Science Center. That's the last time I probably had an Elementary without looking at my untapped. So a number of different factors here. Plus, let's face it, inflation has gone through the roof. I don't want to hear from anybody that says, no, things are getting better. They're not. Uh, you have a war in Ukraine. Grain went up. We've talked about the ad nauseum. Prices went up. Aluminum was up. All these different things. If you didn't factor those things into your business, that's going to be a bigger problem too. I am sad to see them close. Uh, they're one of the uh, you know the the OGs of the new renaissance of beer over the last ten to fifteen years, and it's sad to see them go. I hope something happens in the next couple of months. Maybe they sell it to somebody else. I don't know, but it looks as though they're going to close, and that's it. Uh, come April. And it's sad to see. Hopefully, you know, have to reach out to Blake, see if we can get, take a ride up there and get him on the program, and uh, you know, get the get the story, get the scoop. I mean, this is a lot of this that I'm getting from was from stuff that they posted on a Reddit page. They themselves, Blake and Mike. So, uh, you know, that's pretty much verbatim. Uh, they they have a public announcement out this week on their elementary page, uh, but it's sad to see them go. But th- I don't think this is. The end, I think this is the beginning of this trend of breweries that are going to be uh, closing up. Uh, I really do see that. I, I mean, it's it's sad to see, but unfortunately, um, it looks like uh, it looks like that's that's happening. And and again, it, it's two things. You have to be making good beer. I, I think the tasting room experience is important, but if your if your beer is not good, you're going to have people that are going to come in and one and done. And then you're not going to have people buying your beer on shelves. 
So you've got to have a good product first and foremost. You have a good product first and foremost, and you create your tasting room around that. That's very important. But a lot of places in Jersey, and again, Jersey is is not the norm of the rest of the country. There are limits to what they could build in their tasting rooms. They could only have two TVs up until, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. They can't serve food. Um, they, they could only hold a certain amount of events. There, there were all these things limiting their tasting rooms that other places around the country didn't have. So that's another part of it, too. But if you didn't, if you didn't balance, if you didn't you know, prepare for those things, you were stuck. And it's also one of these things where if your tasting room is in the middle of nowhere, and I'm not saying elementary's was, it wasn't, but if your tasting room is in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing else around you, you're going to have a problem drawing people in. That's the other thing. I mean, I could talk, again, I've said this before, I could talk about this for an hour, two hours, four hours. It's, it's a recurring theme everywhere, not just in New Jersey. All right, let's move on. Uh, Bold Rock, the number one regional cider brand, excited to introduce a new addition to their cider family with the highly anticipated launch of Imperial Berry. It becomes the second 8.2% ABV Imperial-style cider from Bold Rock. Imperial Berry joins the fan-favorite Imperial Cider, which holds rank as the number one Imperial Cider in the Mid-South, number five Imperial Cider in the U.S. The 8.2% ABV Imperial Berry, perfectly balanced, smooth blend of Blue Ridge Mountain Apples, Blackberries, and Raspberries. Uh, it is exclusively available right now at Bold Rock Tap Rooms in Virginia and North Carolina. It'll start shipping by mid-February and will be available in six-pack, 12-ounce bottles, four-pack, and single-serve, 16.9-ounce cans, as well as on draft in select locations. You can follow them on social media, Bold Rock Hard Cider, or just go to Bold Rock, uh, I guess, boldrock.com uh, slash finder. That's where you can find Bold Rock Hard Cider. I have to get a... Sample of that. Check that out. An Imperial Cider. Interesting. Uh, Left Hand Brewing Company uh, has released their 2024 beer lineup. Uh, Their big one that they had, their much-anticipated Belgian White Nitro. I'm going to review that in a couple of weeks. Uh, Just under 5% ABV. uh, uh, Combines the zesty notes of orange peel and coriander with the silky drinkability of nitro. Also, two summer seasonals, Sunkissed Dream Nitro and Zesty Dreams Nitro. Both are blonde ales. Uh, Sunkissed Dreams is infused with guava and mango. Zesty Dreams uh, boasts the citrus kick of Meyer lemon. Oh, sounds interesting. Um, the brewery additionally is announced is introducing the first mixed nitro six pack. The nitro sampler will include two 13.65 ounce cans of milk stout nitro, Belgium white nitro, and a rotating nitro seasonal. This new pack will offer customers nitro variety and a portable way to enjoy the signature smoothness and cascading pour. Of nitro beers. That sounds exciting. All right. Now, when we come back after a short break, we're going to have more news and notes from around the beer world. Uh, some stuff about New York State liquor laws. We're going to have some stuff about uh, Hops and Pie, uh, the award-winning uh, Hops and Pie restaurant out in Denver that is doing a bunch of events uh, in February, including including First to Tap Pliny the Younger in Colorado and a Lost Abbey Brewing Company uh, founder Tomei Arthur is going to visit the uh, uh, um, this hops and pie. I'll give you the details next on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. I'm getting better and out, I'm getting better and out, I'm getting better and I'm feeling it right now.
Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, little record company for you from early on record company. Great stuff. If you uh, honestly, these guys were awesome on Thursday night. But I have to tell you, you got to see these guys in concert if you're into, if you're into just having a good time. This is the band that will do it for you. Uh, honest to God, yeah. There's some slow stuff. There's some, you know, uh, you know, different thing. But they come to play, and every time I see them, we have a great time. It's so much fun. The record company, check them out. You will absolutely not be disappointed. And I want to thank my my best friend Mark, who turned me on to these guys, and I am so glad that he and I have gone to see them a number of times. Every time they're in town. The both of us are like, are we going? You know, because it's just, it's fun. They're just a lot of fun. They do not disappoint. And I I love that they're playing at these smaller places. At some point, they're going to do a bigger tour. Like, they have opened for for a couple people, but I could see them doing, I don't know if they can necessarily sell out a big arena, but I could see them stepping it up to like a 5,000-seat arena easily. And uh, they would have a blast. Now, coming up in just about 10 minutes, Josh Bernstein, the author and wonderful beer writer, is going to join me. He's got a great piece in the New York Times uh, that really spotlights a lot of what has been going on in the beer industry that I've been talking about over the last few months. It was actually in the print edition of the Times on Wednesday in the food section. So if you do have a copy of the Times laying around and you have the food section, definitely pick it up and read it because it's a fantastic piece. Otherwise, he has it on his uh, Instagram. I think it's... uh, I think it's Joshua M. Bernstein or Josh Bernstein. I'm not sure. If you do a search, you'll see it. He has a link tree, and the article should be in there, and it should be free uh, for you to check out. Anyway, let's dive in to news and notes here. So um, Denver's award-winning Hops and Pie has three phenomenal beer-related events uh, that are coming up this month. So first off, uh, because Hops and Pie has a great relationship with the brewer and distributor, Hops and Pie has been the first beer bar in the state of uh, uh, in the state of Colorado uh, for many years to secure Pliny the Younger. Um, they are tapping in on February 10th at 1 p.m. sharp uh, local time. So if you're a big fan of Pliny the Younger and you want to get a taste of it, and you're not uh, at the brewery in California. Well, you can get it uh, in Colorado, which is uh, always good stuff in Denver. Now, Stout Month is taking place right now. At Hops and Pie. Um, so uh, they are doing a whole bunch of uh, best stouts, including uh, Prairie uh, Artisanales, Bourbon Weekend, uh, Telluride Ski and Ski Stout, Weldworks Oatmeal Stout, uh, Westbound's Tennessee Special, uh, Casey Brewing, and Blending's Vanilla Bean Stout. Now, if you're a beer club member at Hops and Pie, the beer is just $4 throughout the month, and they're going to have a Stout Month cocktail as well, dark and stormier, with rum, lime, vanilla, molasses, ginger, topped with La Cumbre's uh, Malapis uh, Stout, which is uh, pretty cool. So if you are a big fan of stouts, which I am, and uh, since it is Stout Month at Hops and Pie, you can check out a lot of great uh, stouts there. The other uh, event that they're having on February 16th, which I wish I was in uh, Denver for this, because I've never interviewed him, and I actually like to interview him for the program. Um, they're doing a Lost Abbey Brewing Company tap takeover. But not only that, Tome Arthur, the founder of Lost Abbey, will be there on February 16th. Um, they're going to feature, subject to change, 
Uh, Every Everything IPA, Unseen Things IPA, Moral Codes Double IPA, JMJ Hazy IPA, Serpent Stout, Aged in Rum Barrels. It's a great beer. Uh, Cuvée de Tomé, 2018, and Angel Share, 2015. And Tomé Arthur will be there at Hops and Pie for the Tap Takeover, which is uh, which is fantastic. So uh, Lost Abbey has gone through some changes, but still a great brewery uh, in Southern California in San Diego. Uh, and the fact that uh, the founder is going to be there at this event is really cool. I'm kind of jealous I can't be there on uh, February 16th. So that's it. Hops and Pie uh, in Denver um, that you can check out all these different events. Again, they're tapping Pliny the Younger, February 10th, 1 o'clock sharp. Stout month is going on all month long. And then, of course, the Lost Abbey Brewing uh, tap takeover on February 16th with the founder, Tome Arthur, uh, being there Um in uh, in February on the 16th, which is really cool. Um, so um, in New York State, liquor laws are trying to be changed. So a coalition of business organizations have launched a renewed effort to change uh, the seemingly intractable laws governing alcohol and liquor sales in New York. Gee, New Jersey seemed to have that same problem. Anyway, um, the coalition dubbed New Yorkers Cheers for Change, Embracing Proposals, first made in 2022, by Governor Kathy Hochul's uh, convened uh, commission to address the state's alcohol and beverage control laws uh, in the state. The coalition is backing the creation of temporary permits for beer, wine, cider, and liquor permits, allowing for the ownership of multiple liquor stores and permitting bars and restaurants to buy directly from liquor stores as opposed to buying from, you know, bigger companies. Changing the ABC laws, many of which uh, have entrenched since the Prohibition era a century ago, has been tricky. Proposals in the past to allow for the sale of wine at supermarkets have all fallen flat in Albany amid lobbying efforts from liquor store owners. But th- they want to go further on this, and it remains to be seen if it will actually happen. Uh, they have made some changes uh, that liquor stores can be open on Sundays now, I believe in the state of New York. Other things that they have changed, but uh, this is some stuff that they want to get moving here to get out of this prohibition law. Look, it took Jersey forever to change a few things, and even then... A lot of stuff that they wanted to change became a non-starter. So um, this is going to be an uphill battle for New York um, to try and get some of these things uh, changed. Moving along, we will head out to California, a great place that I've been to. California Wild Ales in Ocean Beach um, has released a new uh, IPA, a hazy, called Third Block from the Sun. It is. Uh, it has uh, Citra and Nelson hops, 6.7% ABV. This is a great little spot, California Wild Ales in Ocean Beach. Um, Hodad's is right down the street from California Wild Ales. And I I, I was there uh, November of 2022, and what was cool about it was that the um, entrance and open was a wide opening, um, so you can get a lot of fresh air uh, in the place. Right on the corner of a block, there are three blocks, obviously the third block from the sun, there are three blocks from the beach. Um, they're just a block and a half from uh, Hodad's, the original Hodad's. So it's um, there's some cool stuff there, and they really they make some really cool beer. So uh, go check them out, California Wild Ales. You will not be disappointed. Uh, grab yourself a burger at Hodad's, and then uh, or you know what? Here's the thing: get the Hodad's to go. You walk up the street to California Wild Ales. Boom! You sit down and you eat. You, you enjoy yourself. There you go. You're good to go. I got to get back out to San Diego. I really do. Um, Trogues, uh, our good friends there, have announced the arrival of Little Nader. 
as its new spring seasonal release. It joins Field Study, Hopora, and Blizzard of Hops in the rotating seasonal beer series. This light bronzed-toned lager is brewed with Pilsner and caramel malts to lend notes of crusty bread. It is modeled as a lighter take on the Hershey, Pennsylvania-based brewery's iconic Troganator uh, double bock. It's hopped with Eldorado, Herzbrucker, and tradition. Little Nader displays hints of stone fruit and delicate floral notes. Least Yager ties it all together, a touch of fruity esters and a sweet but crisp finish. It weighs in at 5.5% ABV. Little Nader now available on draft and in 12-ounce bottles and cans throughout Trogue's entire distribution footprint. The release of Little Nader coincides with Trogue's perpetual exploration seasonal variety pack for spring. Each 12-pack features three cans each of Perpetual IPA, Sunshine Pilsner, Little Nader, and uh, and Lollihop Double IPA. That is a great 12-pack to have. Trogues, of course, as always, doing great things. And then finally, New York restaurant owners uh, have a tip for lawmakers. Don't change the rules about waitstaff gratuity. So a whopping 95% of restaurateurs oppose a legislative campaign to eliminate the tip credit system in New York that allows owners to pay waitstaff who earn tips less than minimum wage, according to a new survey by the New York City Hospitality Alliance set to be uh, that was released uh, this past week. Some owners said the change could lead to higher menu prices, staff layoffs, and could even threaten their business's very existence. Andrew Riggi, uh, Riggi, the executive director of the NYC Hospitality Alliance, said it is clear New York's restaurants and bars rely upon the tip credit. There's no reason for the state's elected officials to upend the working model of New York's restaurant industry and put small businesses and jobs on the chopping block while making it much more expensive for New Yorkers and visitors to dine out in the Empire State. There was a survey of 879 restaurants conducted in December. 97% of the restaurants were extremely or somewhat concerned about eliminating the tip credit. 88% said it would be a disaster for their businesses. So what happens is, uh, if they had to pay their staff, they're claiming the $16 minimum wage, um, they would have to increase the prices of their restaurant because the tips wouldn't offset. So um, if I'm uh, correct here, so uh, they make a, an average right now of $10.65 per hour. And then uh, if that wage combined with their tips equals or exceeds $16 per hour, uh, they um, – the, the, uh, let me make sure I get this right. They pay them ten sixty five an hour. Their tips are supposed to make up the difference. If they don't have tips, then they have to match the uh, the money there. So if the ten sixty five base wage and the combined tips equals less than sixteen per hour, the empl- employer is required by law to pay the employee the difference. But restaurant servers make far more than that. Sometimes of twenty to forty dollars an hour with tips. This is a bad move, um, especially in New York City. You're talking about putting restaurants out of business at a time when the city can ill afford to have more businesses, small businesses, go out of business. Leave it alone. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I don't understand why they're doing this. Um, it seems uh, it, it seems ridiculous to me. And what's going to end up happening is is that either people aren't going to tip as much anymore, they're not going to tip at all. And that's not cool. It's just not cool. There has to be a different way. There has to be. I don't understand it. I don't understand why uh, they would do something like that. But what are you going to do? We will see what happens. Uh, we will follow this story, and we will let you know uh, what happens um, as as things progress uh, in Albany. When we come back after a short break, Josh Bernstein, the author and wonderful beer writer, is going to join me on the program. This is the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. You can follow me on all those social media things. Just a couple. I don't do everything. I'm not a TikTok guy, but I am on X at Alcatulo, Instagram at Gatulo, G A T U L O, Facebook.com slash AG Craft Beer Cast. Of course, uh, Google, although they got rid of Google Podcasts, right? It's now YouTube. I don't even know anymore. iTunes. You just do a search for AG Craft Beer Cast. Uh, we're on Alexa. We're on Amazon. We're on uh, Odyssey. We're on iHeart. We're all over the place, including. TheHoppedUpNetwork.com, where they curate a number of different podcasts, uh, most of them beer-related, that you can download and listen to at your leisure. Now, my next guest, he's been on the program a number of times, talk all about craft beer. He's an author, a tour guide on great beer spots in New York City, and so much more. He's got a great article that's out in the Times that we have linked to our Facebook page. I put it up there about a week ago. You can find his books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. We're going to talk about this piece that he did in the New York Times uh, just about a week or so ago. For more info on all of these things, go check out his website, joshuambernstein.com. Let me welcome back to the Craft Beer Cast, Josh Bernstein. Josh, thanks for joining me. How are you? Oh, thanks for having me back again. I really appreciate it. Uh, not a problem. The, the story that's out in the New York Times that was published back on the 26th of January, and in it, you mentioned at the start of the piece of a guy who was an avid craft beer drinker in his 20s, made sure to get as many new releases as possible, and now this gentleman in his mid-30s no longer chases the white whale. Rather, he stocks his fridge with a couple of tried-and-true beers that he likes. Is this the trend we are seeing in craft beer heading into 2024? You know, I think people that have been around the band for a little bit, that you've drank all the fruited kettle smoothies, sours, you've gone the extends of like all the bitterness of IPAs, I think, you know, we've gone on this, like, far-reaching journey of flavor, and I think finally people are realizing what they like, and you don't have to keep on seeking out new flavors when you know what kind of makes you happy on a daily basis. And so I think that's kind of where we're going at right now, is, like, people know what they like. They're focusing on fewer beers. And, like, to the point we're seeing there's less shelf space in the supermarkets. There are fewer tap lines across the country. That people, I think breweries at large, the more I talk to breweries, like they're focusing on fewer beers and trying to do them better. Uh, you know, and, and as you mentioned in the article, Josh, craft beer sales are down. Canned cocktails, non-alcoholic beers, and seltzers are up. It's a trend that is, is worrying some segments uh, of the, you know, obviously the, the spirits population as less millennials are, are actually even drinking. What do you think can be done, if anything, to reverse the trend? The, the trend about drinking, well, I'm not going to get on a horse and be like, everybody drink more, shots all around. <laughs> right. But I think it's really about, I think historically it's really been about trying to make the beer industry as accessible to as many people as possible. Mm. You know, as we saw in, you know, the um, 2010s, the IBU Wars, where we tried to make beers as bitter as possible, right. that attracts a very like, finite amount of people out there. You want to make beer as accessible to people, hence why you saw the rise of things like Hazy Juicy IPAs. I think we're going to see it a couple of different ways. We're going to see beers become more accessible. We're going to see the language and the gatekeeping kind of being dropped down. We're going to see beers, I think, just in both flavor, language, description, you know, in price in a lot of cases, too, becoming more accessible to a lot of people, too. I don't think the average drinker coming in nowadays is going to look to the stores and say to themselves, I'd love to buy endless $20 four-packs. You have to find the right price points to get people in as well, too. And I think that goes back to focusing when you can focus on fewer more corn greens, you get better value on, like, your grains, you can, like, bulk up on hops. You can find ways, so I think, like, 
generate greater cost efficiencies to cater to you know a more price sensitive shopper as well. Right, and I do think I do think Josh, uh, inflation over the last couple of years, the pandemic, aluminum going up, grain uh, grain being very expensive, has has actually hurt the industry obviously because they've obviously they they tried to absorb some of that cost to brewers, but eventually had to pass it along to the consumer. And you're right, I think somebody goes in having never tasted a beer before at a supermarket and says. I'm not going to spend $25 on a four-pack of beer and not even know if I like it. It, it, it. For you know, for some, it's a waste of money. And what happens when you have a, a you know when you have inflation and you can't stretch your dollar far enough? The first thing that goes is disposable income because you need to hold on to your income to pay other bills. So that makes sense on that end as well. Yeah, and I think people are just you know if you go to the average supermarket, you know, grocery store, even liquor stores, like the wall of beer can be really intimidating. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, there's this wall of four packs of cans, all with brightly colored labels with names that don't always tell you exactly what's inside the can. Right. And it's really hard, I think, for people to pick and choose amongst all this variety right now. So I think this like trend back toward like maybe paring down a little bit, I don't see it as a negative. People are focusing on, you know, more core products or focusing on beers. You know, like I always talk to people about just because you can brew it doesn't mean that you should brew it because right. you need to find a market for it. So you have to be a lot smarter about what's out there. And like, you know, interviewing people, talking to folks more and more, this is the narrative I'm getting from people. It's with less space out there, you have to make each beer that's on the shelf count a bit more. We're talking with author, writer Joshua Bernstein. He's written a, a story in the New York Times that I encourage you to read. We have the link on our Facebook page. You can also order Josh's books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. All the info, check out his website, joshuambernstein.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And the new trend that is happening now that you highlight in the in the piece is that breweries only have maybe five to seven beers on tap instead of instead of 20 um, some only have two on tap instead of having, like I said, 25 or more at any given time. You highlighted in the piece uh, Suarez Family Brewers in Livingston, New York, and where they only do two beers instead of, say, 10. Why? What was the impetus behind that? I think for Dan, it's, you know, coming out of the pandemic, you have a chance, I think, to really rethink what your taproom service is looking like. And Dan up at Suarez has really long been a big fan of sort of the European drinking cultures. And so looking over there, some of the classic breweries of uh, Central Eastern Europe, Western Europe, you're going to find maybe a handful of beers on tap at any given time, too. And there's this sort of... um, what what that gives you is this sort of like shared drinking experience, mm-hmm. I think, which so much of the last uh, 20 years of craft beer has kind of always been these almost like these personal solo journeys of flavor out there. You go to a bar with 50 taps on, you got people drinking 50 different things. Right. And I think like having everybody in the same room, having this shared drinking experience can in some ways make it feel a lot more communal and connected in a way. So I think that's in part of where I sort of see this pushback is, it simplifies things from the service side. It allows you to focus on a few things on there. You don't have to have, you don't have to explain eight to ten different things to people. It's like here are two things. You know what was really interesting to me when Dan started, um, brought back uh, taproom service back in 2022. They only had one beer, right. and one beer on tap. I think provides a lot of, uh, you know, it's where it's almost like being told what to do, and that had right. a little bit of push. I will say. But when they went up to two beers on tap, it was like, that was enough. That was all the choice people needed. <laughs> right. So, and, and, and something as simple as that. So it's like, give me a little bit of choice, but don't tell me I can't choose at all. Right. And people forget, like, McSorley's in New York, a staple that's been around for 100 years, 
has two beers, a light beer and a dark beer. That's it. There's nothing else. So I, 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 I like that idea. I do think one beer kind of, you know, does, does sort of give that, I don't want to be told what to do. God, you know, certainly we don't want government telling us what to do. Uh, the last thing we want is a brewer telling us this is the only beer that I have and you have to drink it. So I get that from that point of view. We're talking with author, writer, Joshua Bernstein. He's written a great story in the New York Times that I encourage all of you to read. We have the link on our Facebook page. You can also order Josh's books on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, etc. For more info, check out his website, joshuambernstein.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. So the last one for me, Josh, you had an article in 750 Daily discussing trends in 2024. I agree with you on consolidation. We're seeing that over the last seven mo- uh, several months of breweries merging together and some you know, uh, going out of business. A lot more we're seeing because of you know a lot of different things. But your first point on making the taproom experience and service much more important than it has been since even before the pandemic. Why is that so important going forward this year? I mean, I think that's how you're going to draw more people in, too. You can get great beer anywhere nowadays. You can get great beer at your gas station. You can get great beer at supermarkets, great beer at sports stadiums. Why you don't need to go to tap rooms? If you look back maybe 10 years ago, tap rooms in a lot of cities and towns were sort of the place you could go to get fresh beer. You know, that was really different from what else was out there. But I think they're no longer exclusive to having great beer. Mm -hmm. And so maybe 10 years ago, you didn't have to put a priority on or premium on great service because just the act of, I think, giving people something special that tasted different was enough. But nowadays, just tap rooms have, like, completely evolved that, you know, right now we're seeing people offering food, they're offering cocktails, they're offering wine. I think tap rooms have really evolved into this sort of um, third place in American society where they draw people in at all hours of the day, you know, kids in the morning, maybe people with dogs in the afternoon to hang outside. Right. That tap rooms, I think, are serving much more of a hospitality need. You're seeing tap rooms are really evolving into, uh, like, um, their hospitality, like breweries are becoming hospitality companies with tap rooms at their core. And so you really have to think about your service, you know, Serving somebody an IPA with a sneer is not something I think is going to fly in 2024. 100%. And the other thing is is education. I can't tell you how many times that I go to a tap room or even to a bar. I think it's more of a bar than, than, a, than a tap room. Many of the people that work in the tap room, very educated. They know the beer. Some are not, and you give them you know the benefit of the doubt. But in a bar, if I'm in a craft beer bar and they have 20 lines on tap, and the woman or man behind the bar is pouring a beer and doesn't know what flavor that beer is or what style that beer is, that kind of sets me off a little bit because you're supposed to know all of these things. And how are you going to steer a guest that walks in and says, I would like a beer, and you have all these things and it's overwhelming, what can you steer me towards? You need to have that knowledge behind you. So I think that some of that, I think you're right about that, that the experience has to be better. You have to be top-notch because that's the difference between somebody staying for three drinks and having something to eat or having one and just walking out the door. Yeah, I mean, I don't need someone to sit there and be classic bartender listening to my sob stories all night long. But I would, eat, I want, you know, if there's 20 beers on tap, I'm like, oh, is this a West Coast IPA? Is this a hazy IPA? Right. You know, and I want them to kind of be engaged and understand that it's not asking crazy deep dive questions on there, but right. being able to, I think, better steer people to the flavors that they may want out of that night. And that requires education. That requires, I think, the bars and sometimes tap rooms too, making education part of their training program. And um, it, it's hard with, you know, like getting qualified staff that knows their ins and outs about beer. And I think part of that is because beer exploded in so many different directions with flavor. It was really hard to, uh, to keep track for so many people out there. So I think 
having focused staff education can go a long way to, I think, making customers feel that much more engaged. My guest has been author, writer Josh Bernstein. He's got written a story in the New York Times. I encourage you to read it. We've linked it on our Facebook page. We're going to put it out on X as well. You can also order Josh's books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. For more info on all of these things, check out his website, joshuambernstein.com. Josh, thanks so much for joining me tonight. I very much appreciate it. Oh, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. As always, a pleasure. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast. On AM 970, The Answer. I ain't never given up. Stuck in a dead end, but you didn't know it. The roads don't all connect. Your body stopped moving, but you didn't know that. Sometimes a dead end is all you get Second of the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Hope you enjoyed the show this week. Hope you enjoy the show every week. Would love feedback from you. If you want, hit me up on uh, Twitter or X, as they call it now, at Alcatulo. Uh, you can uh, email me at albertg at nycradio.com. Uh, Instagram, uh, I'm at Gatulo, but if I don't follow you, um, then I'm not going to return your message. There's a lot of people that follow me on Instagram that send me messages. And I never respond to them. And you know why? Because I don't follow you. And there are a, a lot of people that I don't follow. I appreciate that you follow me, but I don't return the follow for most um, on Instagram simply for the fact that I, I don't want to get overwhelmed with a thousand messages on there. Email is easier. I can albertg at nycradio.com. It's very easy for me to type out an email back to you. Uh, Twitter, very easy. Or X, very easy for me to get back to you. Um, but I think there's a there's a bunch of people who do message me about things, and I never respond to them because they either go into a junk folder or something, or you know I just don't say it. I I I don't mean to be rude, but and and the other thing, I get people that listen that friend me on Facebook. I, I'll tell you right now, Facebook is for my private friends, um, people that I actually know and have interacted with and have a friendship with. I post a lot of stuff on Facebook. I would never post elsewhere. Uh, because it's my own personal stuff. Um, and so if you friend me on Facebook and I don't know who you are and you're just a listener or whatever, 99.9% of the time I'm going to deny that request. Um, there's a, a public Facebook page for the for the Craft Beer Cast. You're more than welcome to uh, message me on there. And somebody had messaged a couple of weeks ago about how they like it when I fill in for Joe Piscopo. Again, that page for the Craft Beer Cast is for beer only. If you have stuff about the Piscopo show, hit me up on X on it. Don't don't message me on the Craft Beer Cast page about that because I'm not gonna. I won't even bother responding to you. That's that's how I am. Some may think that's cruel. That's just being me. So you know it's straight. You know I'm not gonna sugarcoat anything. You might not like it, but you know. Oh well, too bad. All right, let's dive into suds and duds, shall we? A um, couple beers from Fidens that my good friend Buddy Watson, who I. Uh, talk about uh, all the time. Well, I don't really talk about it. I give him a mention at the end of the show. He's happy with that. We'll leave it at that. 
You know I love you, buddy. Uh, Eugene's Axe by Fidens. Banging double, super smooth, uh, delicious beer. Turbulence, solid, straightforward American IPA, outstanding, and fresh cut. Uh, I love a good pale ale. Low ABV, great hop. Really, really uh, delicious. Fantastic stuff from Fidens. And uh, Buddy had given me the name of one of the brewers, and I, 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 I digress. I, I was, I'm poor in, in getting back to people in, in that instance. The business card has been sitting on my email for a while. I've got to pull that up and um, shoot an email over to him and see if we can get him on the program. Uh, Proclamation Ale Company. So I forgot who gave this to me. Was this from... Oh, I no, okay. Now I remember. Jeez, see, it's been so long since I had these. Uh, my good friend Colleen and my good friend Kim both work at Wet Ticket, and uh, you can follow them. Crack one at the summit. They are awesome, awesome women. Um, animal lovers, dog lovers, cat lovers. They're just two of the finest. <clears throat> excuse me, individuals that I know. I'm getting a little choked up. I'm sorry. <clears throat> they are two of the finest individuals that I know on this planet, and. Uh, Colleen brought me a whole bunch of stuff from Proclamation uh, Ale Company. Uh, a banging pilsner called Flummox. Uh, nice lemon flavor in this one, too. Uh, delicious. She brought me a dark lager with a little bit of smoke on it called Dark All Day, Colleen did, from Proclamation Ale Company. Delicious. Very, very mild smoke on it. Just a, just a touch. Just enough to get that smoky flavor in there. Fantastic beer. That would be a good beer, you know what, if you were making a chili and you wanted to add some beer with a little bit of smoke to it to give that sort of smoky flavor, that would be a good beer. I mean, it's going to burn off, but it's, yeah, that might be a good beer for uh, for chili too. Uh, and then Vacation Boy, very good brown ale, malty, slight dry finish on this. Uh, Vacation Boy, excellent. Everything that I had from Proclamation, uh, well done. And uh, thank you, Colleen. I appreciate uh, those beers. They were delicious. Now, another beer that Buddy brought me, because he can get it up by him because they distro up up there now. Prison City uh, Pub and Brewery, uh, a couple years ago, uh, rated the best IPA, Mass Riot, rated the best IPA in America. I think, if, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the world. Uh, it is a still perfection beer, an outstanding balance of hops. Nothing overwhelms the other. Great drink, great taste. It's just an excellent beer. Um, I think next time he comes down, I'm going to have to have him get me a four-pack of that because... It's delicious. It's really good. Uh, another one that um, Colleen had given me from Moniker Brewery. Uh, I, I know I'm going to manhandle this name. Gershut? Gershut. A Gershut? Um, I have to ask uh, my one of my German friends how to pronounce that. Well, anyway, an outstanding smoked lager. Very mild smoke, crisp, smooth, light, um, balanced. Very balanced, but that... That mild smoke in there, excellent. Really, really enjoyed this. Uh, that was a delicious beer. Um, the folks at BrewDog had sent me a bunch of stuff, and I'm working my way through it. One of them was this one that they were doing for the month of January uh, in conjunction with Sunnyside, people doing a, a dry-ish January, a Bright AF. Very good non-alcoholic beer, good flavor, slightly artificial in taste. Slightly, and I mean that in the in the most barest of terms, because sometimes these uh, non-alcoholic beers do have that slight, or I shouldn't say slight, have more of a slight, more artificial flavor uh, than I would like. Only two and a half carbs. A good beer if you're looking to watch your weight and maybe have something, but with no alcohol in it. This is definitely one that you would want to drink. 
Uh, Hoppy Christmas was another one that I had in the fridge from Brewdog. Uh, straight up IPA. Nice hop. Almost champagne-like in a good way. Uh, dry. It, it had that dry effervescence that you get out of a champagne that I really enjoyed out of that one. So the Hoppy Christmas uh, was an, uh, was really good from Brewdog. And then finally, um, this uh, collab with Oat Flower and Autodidact, uh, Breeze. Uh, it is, uh, I think this was a Keller beer? Was it, was it, a Kel- it might have been a Keller beer. I don't remember. Crisp, nice lemony hit, uh, delicious. I really enjoy everything from Oak Flower, and Autodidact is making some great stuff as well. Uh, two well-balanced, uh, two well-new um, breweries in the state of New Jersey and uh, collabing together uh, for an excellent, excellent beer. Really enjoyed that a whole heck of a lot. Um, my thanks to everybody involved in the show, uh, including my guest, uh, Josh Bernstein, and uh, my man, Darren Yellen, who is back. We're uh, working on some things. Hopefully we'll get some uh, things in the hopper. I'd like to, uh, by the springtime, I'd like to get out and get to a couple of breweries uh, and do some live shows uh, from there. And, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back on the Joe Piscopo Show Monday at 6 a.m., this has been the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, cheers, everybody.